This is Talking Dirty, Get Gardening's podcast for plant lovers. The video version is available on our Get Gardening YouTube channel, so you can head over there if you want to see our ugly mugs, and there are pictures of the plants there as well. There are full plant lists on our Twitter and Instagram at Get Gardening Now, so go check those out. But without further ado, let's start Talking Dirty. Got some oddities. Um, <laughs> oh, I next. love this. Yes. So um, this one um, is Entelia arborescens. I've cut a piece off that's got the seed heads on. So the reason I picked this out is because, um, well, there's lots of interesting things about this. So this is um, a big leaved tree that comes from New Zealand. And its New Zealand name is WH. A-U, and I don't know how to pronounce that. Something it's, it seems to seems to want wow. to wow. Wow. <laughs> um but anyway, it is so this this plant is um related to balsa and to sparmania. So it is a it's a very fast. I can see thing. the resemblance in the leaf with the sparmania. Well, I will I will help with that because ah. there is sparmania. <laughs> So, so it, it is, but it's a really, really interesting um, tree. So it makes it makes quite a nice tree that you can treat like a catalpa. So you can pollard it and let it regrow back with with big leaves. Um, it, it's very light wooded, so it, I think it gets used to make uh, rafts and things like that um, because the wood floats very easily, and it's a colonizer of. Um, open spaces so it it has it's prolific cedar and wherever the seeds land they they they're they are um viable instantly and they tend to so drop and and grow germinate straight away but they also last a very long time so it's something you if you can get hold of the seeds you can grow it very very easily and it's it's fast growing so you get these big leaves these are quite small now because it's the end of the season it's starting to shut up shop you get those very pretty flowers a bit like a sparmania so they're 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 a bit bramble like the flowers i guess single white flowers with the yellow center and then they're followed by these uh, bits, slightly sinister, black, <laughs> spiky uh, things, which have the seeds in. But um, Alan, if you want seeds of it, I've, they're falling out all over my desk. So I will, <laughs> yes, please, <laughs> I will send you some. But Thank very, you very, 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 very easy to grow. So um, yes, so there are similarities. So balsa looks similar. I don't have a balsa tree in the garden, but that's another one. I think I watched one of those David Attenborough programs that had that had balsa in it, just showing how quickly that grows. And then it's yes, its friend is Sparmania africana. This is the double one, not that you can tell when it's not flowering, but this is well, I've left mine outside now for two winters and it's been fine but it wouldn't be in most places and I first discovered this plant growing in the office um, when I was a landscape architect many years ago took a cutting from that and I've had it ever since so this is sort of this is the progeny of something that about 30 years ago now. Sparmanias were very very fashionable as office plants 30 years ago I remember them you yes. know, you used to have these, uh, if you went to a modern architect's office, they often had big windows, lots of glass, open plan, sparmanias. It just yes. goes together. 
Yeah, it does. And um, and this one comes from from way back then. But and, and they are very good plants. They they do like as Alan you just said. They do like those big windows. They as soon as you move them away from the light, um, they really don't like it very much. So this is not a plant that you can cut down and stick in your garage. And uh, it it won't like that. It will want some light in a, but it, it probably okay in a cold greenhouse for most people. Then these two are related to, if you can see, just are related to all of the mallows. So so while we're on that subject, and I know that I talked about it last time we did one, um, at this time of year, the the best mallow for all year round colour, which is Anisodontia. And I only picked this as evidence that it can take just about, about anything because... All around it is bashed to pieces. And this is still covered in pink flowers and it will be on Christmas Day and it will be on New Year's Day and it will carry on going all the way through. And for the first time this year, I butchered mine right back to the ground and I wasn't sure how it would respond and it did absolutely brilliantly. So it just comes rushing back again, looking healthier than ever. But I'm sure you've got that, haven't you, Alan? Yes, I have, yeah. It's, it's an yeah. invaluable plant. It's, I mean, you just set it all down. It's it's never without a flower. It's just wonderful. Yeah. And they're such charming little mallow flowers, you know, just what you'd expect. Lovely pink outer and that dark sort of centre to the flower as well. They're wonderful. So they're all related, albeit loosely. They're all um, from that same um, family. <laughs> Much like the human race then. <laughs> Yes, and um, and isn't the difference great? But the yeah, it is again but, much like the human race. <laughs> now the next oddity, and it's not looking at its best, but it did look amazing. And I'll take your word for it. <laughs> I'll be able to. I'll be able to give you a picture for this. So that's all right. It's a hardy pilea. Oh. So this is so most pileas are, are grown as house plants. They generally have sort of quite interesting foliage, sometimes quite metallic. And this one does have very striking foliage when it's not the end of November. Um, <laughs> and um, with very, very silver markings on this nice apple green. And this this stem has flowered, and it, when it flowers, it looks very much like a stinging nettle, actually. It has these sort of little puffs um, of greenish flowers that come from the leaf axils. But what's unusual about this is that it's a hardy pilea, and I actually managed to impress Mr. Edney with this because he hadn't seen it before, and that's, that's quite something. Um, but it makes a beautiful arching clump of foliage. Very good. We have it in a pot on our front doorstep and it's very elegant and it lights up a sort of very shaded space and quite easy to um, grow. I've got I've grown some from cuttings and I've grown some from divisions. But once you've got it, it's quite easy to have more of it. This isn't looking at its best, so I will make sure that you get a nice picture. And what's what its full it? name? Pilea Tasmanian Silver. So you've got those serrated nettly leaves. Yes, you and have. And those lovely silvery bands running the length of what's quite an elongated sort of pointed leaf. It's Yeah, it's, it sort of shimmers, doesn't it? It does. And I think what's shining through is the fact that the you know gardeners, perhaps they're starting to realise more, maybe, the importance of good foliage because the three plants that Dan has just shown us 
um, you know, uh, the, not Nasodontia, but the other two and the, the Palea here, they, they just shine out because they've got such interesting leaves. Yes, and I may be continuing on that theme, Alan, so I'm glad you said that, because otherwise you be, might be bored. Um, so that's the palier. And actually now, this bit that I cut off, I, I I will be able to make that into cuttings. It's quite easy to root, even in a in a glass of water, so that's good. Um, this one, this one, there's always a plant that you, you need smells for, isn't there? And unfortunately, um, YouTube and other platforms do not do smells. But this is um, Tachetes limoniae or limoniae. Um, and I only picked this because it is just about to have some flowers. Can you see them? Little yellow they're, flowers. They're very insignificant. I mean, they're bad. They get bigger than that, but because they're just in buds now. But the thing about this thing is the is the scent. So if you like the smell of marigolds, this is marigolds times a hundred. <laughs> you just the faintest brushing against it, you get this very sort of astringent, calendula kind of scent coming off it. Um, but the leaves are very, very pretty. It's a nice um, plant to put in between other things. This, along with the Alstroemeria, is under the Miscanthus that we were talking about earlier. Um, and it, it doesn't produce these flowers until about now. Not for me, anyway. Um, and then often the winter cuts it off. But you can you can chop it off and it will come back merrily again. And I think it's quite easy to grow from seed as well, although I've never tried. But it... I think this is this is the, the tragedies that is often grown in greenhouses to um, ward off attacks from aphids and white fly, isn't it? No, I think that is, oh, is it? Minata or something beginning with M, which is a I think a slightly different thing. Minata, yeah. The one that keeps the bugs away. This one is a North American. Uh, well, I, I am sure though it would do exactly the same job because. Well, I just wondered because you said it was pungent, and I thought, hmm. It's super pungent. I mean, if if you don't like that smell, you wouldn't want to be within a mile of this. Um, <laughs> because and sometimes you can be out in the garden and doing something and brush against it and. Th and Think where is that smell? Because it's really, really, really powerful smell. Um, but I rather like. Well, I really like that. I like weird plant smells like chrysanthemums and marigolds and things like that. So yeah. that's fine. But um, a very interesting thing, and I just noticed actually, there's a little bit of variegation. Oh yes, that. I love it when plants do quirky things like that. Um, but worth looking out for. Again, that was from the salutation many years ago when Steve was there. So that's that. And then I think we'll just carry on because we were talking about foliage, weren't we? So yeah. um, I've, as my garden has got shadier and the trees have got bigger, I've had to adapt what I've grown. And so more and more Plectranthus are creeping in because they're just such good ground cover plants. They work brilliantly in a pot. They're so easy to root it's ridiculous and in fact I'm sort of surrounded on my window ledges with little um little plastic cups with cuttings in at the moment but this is um one called Nico and um it looks really big it's not perhaps not as big because I'm holding it quite close to the camera but it's got some gorgeous um foliage on the back a sort of nice um burgundy wine color and then a dark leaf, it grows very, very neatly. So it doesn't really need any um, 
although it does sort of spread out, it branches nicely. And then I've been quite impressed with the flowers on all the plectranthus this year. Me they've, too. they've all yeah. been good. Um, and, you know, they're, they're just, they're as pretty as many other sort of more common plants. Easiest way to overwinter this thing, although on, in a mild winter it might even make it, is just to take cuttings and um, and then start them off again the following year. And they will easily um, sort of fill apart and cascade over the sides within a season. But um, that managed to weather the storm. And so I was pleased to pick that bit off this morning. The late flowering plectranthus, providing they're not gigantic forms, um, probably like Argentatus or something like that. But the, some of them make wonderful pot plants for the winter because they flower quite late. And if you can bring them in before they get bashed by the weather, I, I would suggest take your cuttings in July um, and then you'll have a more manageable size plant. Bring them in for the winter and just enjoy them free. <laughs> yes. Well, I've got a couple on the mantelpiece just behind me that were cuttings taken about then. And they're, they're, they're a nice size now and they'll... Yeah. Um, and they'll stay that way, and and those will probably go out in the garden, and then a new, a new generation will be made. But um, yes, good, particularly good for people with, um, you know, maybe in a London garden or something sheltered, yeah. uh, but a little bit shady. Very good, uh, useful plant. Yeah, that's been great on my patio, which I can just about see the other side of the kitchen table, and it's just been so vigorous. And you're right, really resilient with the weather. You know, we've had some really awful weather the last few days and it just looks the same. And then next to it in the garden, I've got growing this, which is um, a brake fern terrace. I, don't, I never know. I presume you don't pronounce the P with that. Uh, um, terrace cretica, and that's albo lineata. But this, again, I suppose this goes back to this subject that Alan raised just then about how many plants potentially cross over um, between being house plants and garden plants nowadays. So I don't think either of these would have been considered remotely suitable for the garden maybe 20 years ago, whereas now they sort of hover somewhere, but, you know, they may or may not. But um, it, it certainly makes a very lovely house plant, particularly if you've got a a cool um, conservatory or something like that. But in our garden, this is fine outside and um, very, very pretty. This is one of the shorter leaves. And then it throws up these big, long um, arching ones as well. And it tends to have smaller ones around the bottom. But that's a fantastic contrast, isn't it? It's a very nice leaf. Yeah, there's, there's another terrace with blue leaves, isn't there? Mm. Um, which I've put outside in the garden. It's been outside for two winters now. Oh, that's um, good. Yeah, and it is coming through, but it's a very sheltered. It's it's a very sheltered and shady spot next to a wall, um, and I think that's what it needs probably to do okay in the garden. But if we had a a severe winter, I don't think it would live. But you know, I'm backing my luck and thinking with the fact that climate's changing. Who knows? Yeah, and it's and it's worth a go. I was reading um, a piece in the the RHS magazine, and they were sort of saying, you know, maybe we just need to accept that that. Some plants that are borderline won't live quite as long as they could, but mm. um, we can enjoy them while they do last. So and The other thing is, if you have a fern like this terrace here and it gets too big or you want to make it smaller or you want to produce more, you, when you divide it, pop some divisions in the garden in a sheltered place and just see what happens. You may be surprised. Might just get lucky.
Yeah, yep. I nearly bought one of those yesterday, but I was with the other half and he's not really an enabler when it comes to buying plants. Um, but I think um, Brian Ellis has that in the garden and had sort of said it was it was getting better at at uh, Brian Ellis, you know, predominantly been on this podcast as a snowdrop expert, but has such... Incidentally, his name is B-R-Y-A-N. <laughs> That's the correct spelling, obviously. <laughs> but I was so tempted to buy it. And now, as ever, when I don't buy a plant, I'm having a lot of regret that I didn't just purchase it. So maybe next year, that's one I'll, I'll add at the beginning of the season so I can make sure I enjoy it before it potentially perishes. <laughs> there will be more. But, you know, just bring it in and it looks just as good as a house plant. But I, I'm I'm laughing to myself about your uh, comment about the enabler because, um, <laughs> as you know, I was doing this. Um, I was doing a Christmas fair um, last week, and um, I said to somebody, "Oh well, Saturday will be good, won't it?" And they said, "Oh no, the husbands, the husbands come." <laughs> I said, "Oh, what do you mean?" And they said, "Oh, the husbands put you know throw cold water on everything." So. Um, so we came up with this plan to basically separate the wives and husbands because I was selling tools, which, although it sounds incredibly sexist, do generally attract the male of the species. <laughs> and um, so we catch this plan that I would sort of hook them in with my tools and then sort of gently nudge the wives towards towards my neighbour. <laughs> and that seemed to work quite well. But... Um, but yeah, they're party poopers, husbands, I'm afraid. Yeah, they are. They are. I would have thought with plants, at least yours should um should actually be an enabler. And actually, I've just realized aren't congratulations in order. Oh, well, yes. I mean, yes, thank you very much. Yes, I got well engaged. <laughs> <laughs> you did. There was a lovely photo of the two of you having he he having popped the question, I think. Yes, on the beach, which was nice. And then my ring is is um cast in sand from the beach where my where I grew up and where my family come from. So that's that's very nice and thoughtful. So um so yes, we haven't we haven't stopped celebrating yet, I don't think, quite. <laughs> we might we need to we need to continue the celebrations until John's birthday, which is at the which is uh, just before Christmas, and then we can eke them over <laughs> to January, which is my birthday, and my birthday's got a zero this time, so um, <laughs> so I think celebrations are allowed throughout. I just anything, think all the time, never anything stop. to brighten the gloom. <laughs> And then I've only got two bits left, so I may as well do them. And I think I have talked about these before, but probably in a spring um, podcast, which is careers. Mm. Um, and I absolutely love these. Um, I think for any mild garden, they are incredible shrubs because they flower for so long. And th they these have been flowering now for um, probably about a month. They probably started in October. And they will carry on until April and then they might have a little bit of a rest. But this one I definitely have shown you before, which is um, Marion's Marvel. Only one flower left on this bit. I was loath, I'm afraid, to cut off some of the more floriferous <laughs> bits. That's allowed. But as you know, for you, anything. Um, but I suppose very similar colours, but paler to the fuchsia. Um, so lime green and coral. And uh, look, you can see how many buds are on that. Yes, um, that's terrific. Okay, so this is going to going to go on all the way through the winter. And which it's, one is that? This is Marion's Marvel. All oh, right, fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this one's very tall, 
and and sort of almost quite leggy. So I think you could train it against a wall or something, and it would be it's sort of they're very long arching shoots, um, and a nice sort of dusky green um, leaf. Not not the main event, but still very attractive. And then this is the opposite. So this one is um, the variegated form of dusky bells. I don't know if you can see. And this is a low growing one. So this one doesn't get much above sort of two foot 60 centimetres. The flowers are looking very, very slightly frazzled. Um, but that's because of the wind yesterday. They look nice before that. And uh, they are a dusky pink. But the the nice thing about this is when it's not flowering, you've got the, the nice variegated foliage as well. Both of these growing in a pot in my garden, very happy in a pot. You just have to um, moderate your watering. So if you're um, one of the, if you have a lot of pots and you just tend to go and water them all, I would miss out the careers every two or three times because they don't want to be as wet as that. It's an Aust Australian plant, I think, and so it's mm. used to it's used to drought. So don't overwater it because I have lost one once that way. But but on the whole, they are. Um, they're very, very easy to grow, um, provided you've got somewhere sort of warm and sheltered for them. And proof that while they are great in drought, even drought tolerant plants do not like to establish in a drought. Um, I unfortunately bought my Marion's Marvel just before the drought and so planted it before I knew quite what was coming and it didn't make it, which is oh, very no. sad. I was, I was so excited to finally have it and I thought I'd pick the right sheltered spot, sunny spot at the back of my garden. But unless some sort of miracle has happened, I have not seen hide nor hair of it for a while now. So I don't think it pulled through those dry, dry months of I just couldn't. You know, as happened with so many things, you just can't replicate what actual rainfall does. I think the difficulties of gardening this year can't really be underestimated, can they? I, I even read in the uh, in the garden Roy Lancaster saying that he, you know, had really struggled and that the, his garden had been decimated by the by the drought. And if that happens with sort of people as expert as him, then, you know, the rest of us, you know, can't really feel too bad about the fact that no. we that we struggled. And, and I think some plants may continue to, you know, exhibit the effects of, of drought for, for a while. I mean, it, it won't all... Some may be, may be a little bit yet to die, Dan. Yes, yeah. yeah. And then the shock potentially between going from very dry to this very, very wet November as well, you don't, you don't know what effect that will have mm. on plants. But um, this is this is the weather that we've got now, I think, this much more much more extreme... Um, you know, twists and turns in the weather that you know, just comparing this November to last November, they were totally different. There's no there's no real pattern apart from the fact that it just isn't that cold. Um, November's when I was a boy were freezing cold and we, you know, it was hats and gloves time by November. But that's that's all that's a very distant memory now, isn't it? Dan, thank you so much for inspiring us. Um, when it comes to Flomai, by the way, we've got to squeeze that in as well. Get a, maybe a few more plants or who knows, maybe just tools into this section of the podcast. Uh, Flomo being that fear of missing out, you get about a flower or a plant. Obviously, we all get loads from you and your garden. I think particularly because you managed to pack so much 
into your courtyard garden. So it is very applicable for those of us with smaller gardens. And of course, your allotment, which is going to provide me with lots of excitement for my new little quarter plot. I want I want dahlias like Dan Cooper. Uh, <laughs> but it was a foliage plant that you posted the other day, a begonia coelzii, if that's how you say it. Oh, oh, you can have one of those as well. <laughs> So um, you talk you talk about it and then I'll... Well, um... It was this fabulous sort of deeply lobed leaf that caught my attention. Just a really, you know, you're scrolling through Instagram and suddenly there's this leaf going, look at me, I'm fabulous. And um, I, I don't know how hard... Carrying you on with the theme about foliage, you yeah. see. <laughs> Yeah. And and really, and I hadn't, I don't think I'd seen it particularly before. And I think you said it came from India. So I'm not sure how hardy it is, um, how much protection I need to give it. But certainly in my garden, I could see exactly how that would just fit in with all those lovely sort of foliage textures I'm trying to add. So it is an extraordinary thing. As you say, the leaves are massive. But the, the most unusual thing about it is that it makes um, baby plants on the I don't know what you call it. It's not the leaf axle, is it? Or is it the petiole? I don't know. But where the leaf joins the leaf stem um, forms quite a substantial um, new node. plant. A node. Yeah. Brilliant, Alan. I knew you'd know. Um, <laughs> so at that node point, you get something that sort of resembles a, a small begonia tuber that forms. And actually, during the summer, they themselves produce leaves so it looks like there's a little baby plant sitting there what's happening so I have bought it indoors now because um and it's just in in the garden room but what now happens is that the leaves start to die down and and that then the the little new tuber comes away and I've actually got a few sitting on the mantelpiece oh how lovely so I can I can I can pop you one in the post and you can I, I, I imagine that what you would do is is next spring you would just pop those up and they would grow away as a as a new plant. That's that's what I'm thinking is going to going to happen. Well, but Begonia grandis actually has those little um tubers that form in the leaf axles, doesn't it? It does. And that, I mean, it's one of I one of my absolute favorite plants. And I've yeah. been for the last few years trying to get to grow a 40 foot um stretch of it down uh down one of the passageways that leads to the house and yeah. i'm nearly there it's with the, <laughs> with the white one but yeah. it comes up everywhere there's not <laughs> you're a right or crack in the paving where there isn't a little one and, and they're very easy you can just you can just pull them out when they come up in usually quite late in the spring isn't it alan they're very late oh, yeah. They're late into leaf, and I probably won't see them until mid to the, to the end of April. I would, I would think. Yes, but you can pull the little tiny one because you can't. You can barely see them, can you? It's the no, steps, no. The little um, very gently. Use an old oh. dinner fork if you need some help. Yes, yes, that that would do it. And they, but but they're they're brilliant plants because they um they make a lovely lovely big clump. Oh, we've got an <laughs> extra. <laughs> Lily's, Lily's got a bit of a bad hair day going on, but she thought she'd come oh. and say hello. <laughs> She's so been yes, denied her tickles. That can be supplied. <laughs> that is very exciting. I didn't realise yeah. if I dropped it into conversation, it would just <laughs> magically appear. <laughs> Christmas come early. Brilliant. No, I like that choice. It's a nice plant. So, Dan, where are you at with your Flomo? 
Well, do you know, I am, um, so I suppose I've got a, so Nareens, I have a few of, but they're one of those plants that every time they're in flower elsewhere, you know, in general, I wish I had more of them. I think they're just the most extraordinary um, flower, just for the the colour and the sparkliness of the pet flower petals, because they have this amazing sort of, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Crystalline. Yes, crystalline cell structure that makes them very sparkly. Yeah. yeah. But the the I think the main value is just in the time of year when they flower that they just look. You know, everything else is looking dull and over, and then up they pop. Like I'm here. I'm you know late to the party, but um, and I particularly want. I've I don't have it now, but I did have it before. There's one called Mister John, I think, which is. Yeah got a almost a magenta purplish tinge to it um it's quite lurid looking but it's just so fascinating it's no it's more than that it's captivating yes i love lurid though lurid is good i mean it's <laughs> it's 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 it's, it's, it's an incongruous plant i think because everything else is getting muted at that time of year but it's it's quite a it's quite a tonic to see nareens flowering so more nareens and then I have seen in other people's gardens this year some really spectacular liquid ambers. Mm. And um, we grow, we've got liquid amber, um, slender silhouette growing in very, very big pots. But the problem with growing trees in pots is that they are generally more stressed than trees that are growing in the ground. So our liquid ambers do change colour, but it happens very quickly and then they drop their leaves very quickly. Whereas I've seen some growing in gardens this year that are the most unbelievable colours. So I would I would love to be able to um to grow a liquid amber that's that can do its thing properly and achieve its full potential. Um so that would be my two. Great selection. I also love how so often we cover the things that are almost impossible for us to achieve. Because for anyone who doesn't know, and go and listen back to the first episode we ever did with you, Dan, explaining how you basically have no soil in your garden. Uh, so it's it's container gardening on a grand scale and um, amazing what you manage to grow. But yes, the we're always hoping for, for things that are just out of reach. Yes. In the meantime, I just enjoy seeing them in other people's gardens. <laughs> Alan, where are you at? What are you feeling inspired by? Well, I was inspired by Dan's talk just now about his comments about uh, um, Nerinis, Nerines, Nerinis, call them what you will, um, because there's a there's a race of they've been crossed with an Amaryllis, Amaryllis belladonna, I think, and there's, uh, they're called Amarines, um, and they were originally grown by the Dutch um, as flower cutting flowers under under glass. Um, they're about twice the size of a nerine. They're like a nerine on steroids. And there's there's three colours. There's really shrieking chaparelli pink. I got that in. <laughs> and there's a paler version and a and a paler version still. And um, those three are just coming sort of gradually onto the market now. And you can get, I've got a few of each, but they re, they increase terribly well. And they, the flowers of both amarines and nerines, they last so well in cut, cut flowers. You know, they just look wonderful. But my... My flomo from the list has to be, and Dan, you very kindly said you'd send me seed of Entelia arborescence, which I think was is a lovely thing. And I'd never heard of it, didn't know it at all. 
Um, and the fact that I can pollard it is even more intriguing. Um, <laughs> so that I would love to have. Um, Pilea Tasmanian silver, I thought was an interesting plant. Um, I don't know why I've not seen that before. Tagetes limonii, Graham mentioned this to me yesterday and said, we've just done a bit of landscaping with some contours of, we've moved our Matterhorn, you see, which it was the compost heap. And of course, like everything else, we underestimate just how long it was going to take. We've had a guy here with a digger and two dumper trucks, and he's been here over a week and it's still not moved. So that would just give you some idea. So we've been doing a bit of contouring in the garden. And he said to me the other day, yesterday, in actual fact, we could put Tagetes limonii on top of that. And I said, that's a boring thing. You don't want that. Well, I've changed my mind. I don't think it is quite so boring now. So that is on my list as well. And uh, Plectranthus nico. I don't think I have nico. I have a grey-leafed one, and I can't remember. I think it might be Nicola or something like that. Again, it came from Mr. Edney, or it came from Lou, actually, his his lady friend. <laughs> and um, it has the most amazing, well, it's got lovely silvery foliage. It has this kind of cascading effect that one branch goes over another, goes over another kind mm. of thing. It's in a pot. I took cuttings. The main pot that they gave me hasn't flowered, but the cuttings are just flowering. And they're the most... May, may, Wonderful, wonderful, deep papal purple. And I just think, you know, they're not big and showy like a begonia is big and showy, but they are, the racemes of flower are just incredible. Another winter flowering pot plant, you see, which is so nice. Yeah. So, yeah. Just bring them I, I've in. been greedy. I've been greedy and I've had three. <laughs> um, I'm going to have another one. <laughs> I'm going to have another one. I can't, I, I mean, I'm an absolute sucker for a wisteria wrapped handle. Oh. Who isn't? <laughs> so long as someone else wraps it for you, I think. As long as someone else buys it for you, I think. No, I've got, I've got to the age where that doesn't happen anymore. I have to buy it myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dan, you should feel very pleased with yourself. Plants Alan didn't know. Plants Alan has changed his mind on. I mean, what accolades? <laughs> I don't know how I do it, especially from my storm-ravaged garden. But... Um, <laughs> Well, I think it's very interesting. See, that voice, that's what you get when you get two gardeners talking to each other. You 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 bounce off each other and you suddenly I'm seeing plants perhaps through your eyes, not through my eyes. And I'm mm. I'm often too impatient, too ready to just dismiss something without knowing more about it. And I think that's it. Well, you've, you've helped me. Yes. I think plants g gather associations, don't they? You know, yeah. there are plants that I remember that my grandparents grew that I remember fondly and, and others that I remember less fondly. And I, you don't always have the time to reassess them, do you? You just no. kind of yeah. dismiss them, they're old fashioned or they're yeah. scraggy or whatever. But then, you know, plants can look very different depending on where you grow them, how you grow them. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Always worth giving something a second chance. Why I always love African violets because they always make me think of my mum growing them when I was little. So I will never hear a bad word about African violets. <laughs> well, do you want to hear? Do you want to hear something? Not many people know this, but I love African violets. <laughs> when did I become my granny? <laughs> <laughs> my mum is brilliant at growing them. Absolutely brilliant at growing them. I don't know what it is that she does. <laughs> But I uh, yes, I think it's it's one of those things. Maybe maybe it's something that comes with age. Your um, appreciation. I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, we'll all, we'll all keep an eye on that. Uh, Dan, it has been an absolute treat. Thank you so much for bringing so much festive joy to Talking Dirty and lots of planty inspiration and um, and lots of tool inspiration as well. I think we've all got plenty of things on our Christmas wish list now. We just have to try and drop strong hints in the right direction so that we get them. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, lovely it's been a pleasure. <laughs> Until next time, happy gardening and happy Christmas. Bye-bye. Happy gardening. Hey, Thordis here. Just to say thank you so much for listening to Talking Dirty. You are now officially our favourite person. If you really liked it, please do subscribe because we'll be back for more plant-loving mayhem next week. And as you're our new favourite person, we don't want you to miss out. If you've got a question for Alan and the experts, you can email it to hello at getgardeningnow.co.uk. So happy gardening, and we'll see you, oh favourite person, next time.